what the heck is up my dudes hello 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 okay so i've been crocheting all day i've had a ton of coffee i have been awake for um a very long time let's just say a very long time already so um we're just gonna get right into this okay i've got i've got a coffee here very scrumptious um today's case real sad I'm not gonna lie to you real sad um but before we get into there before we get into there before we get into that um i just want to thank you guys for being patient with me while i've been working um a lot at my real job um, my boring job and while i've been doing my schoolwork and catching up on my custom orders i've been working on that green cardigan all day um yes i'm sick it's not covid don't worry anyways i've been working on my green on that green cardigan all day um right now during this podcast i'm going to be working on a halloween decoration that you will see on my page at some point this weekend (laughs) um my washer just went off that's gonna have to wait so yes thank you for being patient with me while i've been doing school real work um not that this isn't real work like i just i just researched this episode for like eight hours um this is real work too and working on custom orders and also the reason that i did not post yesterday mm -mm, not yesterday last weekend was because I surprised Josie by going to her college soccer game, and she did not know that I was going to come, Um, and I did. And I couldn't post that I was going to be doing something because I had told her that I had training and stuff, and it was just just this big story. I couldn't couldn't expose myself, okay? Um, But yeah, I went and saw her play... um, she played against the team that wanted her on their team. Like they wanted to recruit her. Um, she played against them and they won five to zero. And then last, I think it was Wednesday, uh, they won 10 to zero. And then she had to play, she played a game today that I just got done watching and they won eight to zero. So obviously, um, they're kicking butt hardcore. Uh, so go Josie, go Grizzlies. I think that's what they're called. (laughs) Yeah, they're the Grizzlies. So go Grizzlies. Um, go Josie. Uh, this morning, I'm just trying to update update you guys on my life right now. Um, anyways, this morning I tried the new Apple Crisp Macchiato from Starbucks. Oh my god, it is amazing. I tried the iced. I don't like hot coffee very much, unless I make it. Um, but yeah, I tried the iced Apple Crisp Macchiato. That was sent from Jesus himself, okay? Um, that was amazing. So, I did that. Um, Last weekend, Matthew and I also spent, like, over $300 on new clothes. And we're not going to talk about that, okay? We're not going to talk about it. We're not going to talk about it. Um, So, we did that. I got a new keyboard sleeve. You know those, like, little jelly things you can put on your keyboard? Anyways, I got it. And listen, listen to how my typing sounds. Ready? Hold on. Oh, my God. It sounds beautiful. It sounds beautiful. Not, like you know um so yeah i got a new keyboard sleeve it's how dare you let's turn that off okay um 
yeah, it's yellow, of course. Duh. Um, what else? Oh, my friends Lauren and Madeline. You probably have just heard Madeline's name. Lauren's the one that makes the earrings. We know her. Um, but Lauren and Madeline got me some or a cup for my birthday, but they just got it like two weeks ago. Um, but they got me a cup for my birthday and it was made by I'll try to remember her name made by mariah i think on instagram it's like made period by period mariah period i think i think i think um but it's this like really pretty sparkly tumbler for coffee and it has the crochet and crime logo on it and on the back it has a qr code because lauren made me a linked tree or link tree it's basically where you just like click on one link and then it gives you all the links to all your socials all your sites everything like that so i need to get that up and going so that you guys can just like click on a link and it'll take you to everything that has to do with my podcast yes um also my coworker found my tiktok today and i'm very embarrassed um so hopefully she's not listening to this but if she is hey <laughs> don't call me out at work um what else is there to do or to speak about? Not really much. Um, I've just been really busy, honestly. Um, I feel like I haven't talked to you guys in forever. How are you? Are you good? If you're not, fix it. Because you've got to be good, okay? Um, yeah, I don't really know. Okay, let me take a drink. Oh, I had a follower reach out to me. Um, she started her own podcast. Her, she said that her mom and her listen, or she said mom. I love that. She said her mom and her listen. Um, so hello. I think her name is pronounced Freya. I think it's Freya. Um, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, but they reached out or she reached out and said that she's starting her own podcast. Um, I think it's called the procrastinating student. She'll correct me if I'm wrong. Please do correct me if I'm wrong and I will say it in the next podcast but i think that's what it's called she was dabbling between like um true crime and then just like whatever um but yeah so hello freya and your mom um i hope you don't take that offensively i just love anything that isn't american okay um okay let's let's get into this let's grab a snack grab a drink grab your projects and let's get into this we're talking about judith barcy yeah do you know her? If you don't know her, you do know her. You just don't know that you know her, you know? Okay, so Judith was born on June 6, 1978 in LA. Um, her parents were named Maria and Joseph, who actually fled their home country and sought out the U.S. for refuge after the Soviet occupation. I'm pretending I know what that is, but I really don't. Um, they fled to the U.S. separately and just happened to meet in a bar in LA one night. Kind of cool, kind of funky kind of fresh um no but maria was a waitress at the bar and joseph came in buying a ton of drinks was acting super outgoing and he caught maria's eye they just she was like wow that's that's the guy, the guy for me um so they chatted all night long discovering that they actually came from the same place but had two different lives growing up um, maria's parents were wealthy and she was brought up in a healthy way as joseph had a much rougher childhood um he was bullied a lot in school he was poor his dad was never around during his childhood um and while this affected him in his developing years it also affected him in his adulthood too so he would buy a ton of things to make him feel better about himself as well as turn to alcohol to numb his pain pretty frequently we know some people in our lives like that um tell them to go get help tell them to go get help 
don't be afraid tell him to go get help um but Maria and Joseph fell in love and became married in 1977 and fairly quickly just a few months after the wedding actually Maria became pregnant with Judith why am I talking like this it's not it's not good um I've already missed I've already lost my spot okay yeah she became pregnant with Judith um as I said earlier she was born in June and immediately when she was born she became her family's treasure they were so amazed with her um she was Maria's only child while Joseph actually had two other children from a previous marriage we'll get into that in a second so Judith was very smart and a very sweet young girl excuse me she was the typical american little girl um she loved pink and purple loved sunflowers cabbage patch uh dolls uh care bears the whole shebang you know um for the first part of judith's judith's life judith's life speech therapy coming in handy um the family lived in a small apartment when she but when she was a bit older they moved to a house with a backyard um you know, just a place that she could thrive in. So she made friends with other little kids on the block and was constantly playing in the front and backyard. You know, her neighbors always remember her playing outside and having the best manners ever. Uh, growing up, Maria always wanted to be an actress, Judith, Judith's mom, um, or to have like some kind of role in the Hollywood scene. Uh, she just craved the celebrity lifestyle, especially living in LA. That probably was hard, but she she really wanted what she saw in the movies and the magazines, but she realized that it was probably too late for that ship to sail at this point in her life. You know, she was pretty, not old, but she was like older. Um, and on top of that, she and Joseph decided that it would just benefit the entire family if Maria was a stay-at-home mother. Go her, I could never. Um, they both thought that having Judith at home with Maria all day would save the family more money and time than having Maria work and having Judith go to like a daycare or like a center or something. Um, this is still a situation that's pretty prevalent in today's society too. Like people, especially mothers, um, tend to have to stay home to save money. It's, it's crazy that staying home and watching your kid will save you more money than getting a second or, you know, a second income. That's Childcare is so expensive. I literally work in the childcare field, you know? It, it's expensive. Um, but yes. So, where was I? Oh, yeah. This is still a situation that's pretty prevalent in today's time. Um, it all seemed like such a great plan, and Maria realized that she could actually train Judith during this time. Um, she could take this time to train Judith to be the perfect little actress. We're taking a sip of coffee. You should, too. It doesn't matter what time it is. Also, I just remembered that my oil diffuser stopped diffusing a long time ago, and it's been plugged in this whole time. Okay. Um, during the day, they would work on scenes, emotions, word pronunciation, singing, facials, and everything that would mold Judith into the perfect child star. Um, Judith enjoyed this just as much as Maria did, and it almost served as like a bonding activity for the two. Um, people were constantly telling Maria that Judith would probably never get apart and that they were just practicing for nothing. But little Judith and Maria were like, mm-mm, it's gonna happen. So I'm getting, I said sorry, <laughs> sorry, I'm getting increasingly stuffed up as I'm talking. It's great. Um, I have a deviated septum from cheer, so my left nostril, I already can't breathe in and out of it, like, no matter 
what i just literally never can i have to pull my skin to the side to get any air this is disgusting you guys don't care um anyways so when my right nostril is clogged i literally cannot breathe out of my nose no matter what i do because the left one does not get air so that's what's happening right now um yeah what was i doing what was i talking Oh, yeah. Okay. So people were telling them, like, they're not going to get any parts, whatever. Then one day while Maria and Judith were out at an ice skating rink, just chilling, um, probably skating. I don't know. A TV crew was there filming a commercial and the casting director of the commercial saw Judith and realized that she would be the perfect actress for another commercial that he had to shoot. So he walked over to Mariah and Judith. Mariah? What? Maria and Judith spoke to them about it and got them an agent that exact same day. Um, Judith ended up being in the commercial, which was for a, like, Donald Duck orange juice. Um, and she was loved by so many that she was repeatedly called back in for multiple other Donald Duck orange juice commercials. Um, if you just, like, Google Donald Duck orange juice Judith Barcy, you'll see the commercials. They're so cute, dude. She was so cute. Um, so the orange juice commercials opened the acting door that was closed for so long and landed her, excuse me, landed her in 70 different roles by the age of seven. Dude. So she was making over 100000 a year at seven. This was obviously nice for the family because it gave them that extra financial like cushion that they needed to live comfortably in California at the time. And everybody was super happy with their lives at this point. Judith was happy. Obviously, Mariah. Oh my God, why do I keep calling her Mariah? This entire time I've been researching, I've called her Maria. Maria was happy and Joseph was happy. Um, Judith's Judith's first major role was in a TV show called Fatal Vision. Um, she was also in The Twilight Zone, Punky Brewsters, uh, Cagney and Lacey, Growing Pains, and like so many other shows. Um, most importantly, she was in Jaws, The Revenge. I think that's what it's called. Um, and then my two absolute favorite movies when I was a child that I could probably recite word for word still to this day. She was a voice actor in A Land Before Time as Ducky, the little baby. Um, and then All Dogs Go to Heaven as, I think her name's Anne Marie. Anna Marie? I think it's Anne Marie. Um, I watched the mess out of those movies when I was little. Like, my mom was so annoyed, probably. Um, but on top of all of these shows and movies, she was excuse me, she was piling up a long list of commercials that she was in as well, traveling all over the country for filmings and meetings. Um, And even though she was doing so well and making like not only a name for her family, but also a paycheck for her family, her father was actually becoming pretty upset with the whole situation. Imagine that. The father. Hmm. Um, It could have been that like his childhood's... Uh, who? Um... It could have been from his childhood rooted self-esteem issues, but the fact that his, like, six, seven, eight-year-old daughter was making more money than he was, it just completely bothered him to the point that he couldn't handle it. You know, his ego is just so fragile. The male ego is, like, this, you know, they say tissue, um, feather, a grain of salt. It's the most fragile thing on earth. No, a man's ego, dude. A man's ego. Um... But yeah, so like how how dare his child do better than him? 
he he was so bitter that he began showing his frustrations in ways that were not considered abusive, really, just like downright mean. Um, there was one story where a neighbor recalls him breaking a kite that Judith was playing with because she was a spoiled brat who wouldn't share her toys. Bro. She wouldn't share it. You're like, what? Probably 40? I don't know, 30? How old were my parents when I was nine? Or seven? I don't know. I can't do math. That's why I do crime. I don't do crime. I talk about crime. Hold on. I'm taking a drink. I don't know. Let's say they're like 30. Oh my god, I'm getting coffee all over my desk. What the heck? There's so much happening. Hold on. Wow. Okay. Um, just gonna wipe up my sleeve. Um, but yeah, like she's seven and you're mad that she's not sharing her toys, get a life. Um, so he also began to drink pretty frequently, even getting arrested multiple times for driving under the influence. Um, back then, I guess they didn't have that law where like, if you got so many, you couldn't drive anymore. I don't know. Um, he would come home after being out drinking all night and take his anger out on his wife and daughter by yelling at them and making me comments. Um, Maria had never seen the side of him before, but his friends from his previous marriage knew this Joseph all too well. <laughs> you know. Uh, Joseph, Jehoseph, Jehoseph. Um, Joseph was always find, fighting random people in bars when he lived in New York, where his previous wife and kids were, to the point where he was once momentarily blind and one eye from a brawl that he had gotten himself into. Buddy. Okay, so now we're introducing Clara. This is Joseph's ex-wife, his first wife. Um, so Clara was also an immigrant from Hungary. Hungary. They met in France and then they moved to New York together. They got married there, had two children. Everything was great at first. Uh, just like a marriage with Mar Maria. I keep second guessing myself. I keep wanting to say Mariah now. Maria. Um, things were beautiful in the beginning and then quickly went downhill before anybody could even tell what was going on. Uh, when Clara realized that Joseph was becoming dangerously abusive, she continued to stay with him until the abuse turned to the children. Um, once Joseph started targeting, targeting the children, she knew that she had to take the steps to get them out of that situation. So she fled to, with the kids to Arizona, where Joseph actually followed them, begging for them to take him back and swearing that he would change. Thankfully, Clara stood her ground and refused to take him back, but this caused Joseph to throw a cast iron skillet at Clara, leaving her with a black eye. Yeah, psychopath behavior. Um, shortly after this, he took off to LA where he met Maria, um, who probably wasn't picking up on any of the warning signs of abusive partners because you generally go into a relationship with those rose-colored glasses. Um, you're not looking for the red flags, you know, you're not looking at them and wondering all the bad things that they could possibly do to you. Uh, his friends recall during the time of him drinking a bunch while he was with Maria and Judith that he would always jokingly say like, I'm going to kill her. But, like, they never took it seriously because they always thought he was joking. Um, in certain contexts, I can understand that. But if he was just saying that with no other contacts, 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 um, yeah, report that, please. Uh, he also once took Maria into the garage of the home they shared and showed her his huge collection of gasoline cans, telling her that if she ever tried to leave him, he'd burn the whole house down with all three of them in it. Which, coincidentally, coincidentally, is the same thing that he told Clara about her and their two kids. Yeah. So, there were many times that he told Maria he would kill her or himself. Um, or that he would just kill Judith and himself and leave Maria alone to suffer the loss. 
y'all I cannot um and the worst thing about all of this is that Maria was secretive about the abuse at first okay um or she wasn't secretive about the abuse at first um I said was she wasn't she would like openly talk about how he was always drunk um or how he would miss out on important family outings to stay home and get drunk or how he was um always like threatening them no one ever did anything about it they would not they wouldn't do anything like that would not go these days that would not fly um i guess we do still see like things like that happening where people are like yeah he hits me and then people are like anyways what do you want for mcdonald's like that was not funny i'm just really tired but also like hyped up on caffeine and i can't breathe out of my nose i can't breathe do you guys hear that um, in 1986, Maria made the very first phone call to 911 regarding the abuse that she and Judith were enduring at home. And in December of that year, the police arrived at the house where Maria told them that Joseph punched her in the face and choked her. But the police didn't find enough evidence to do anything. So Maria gave up and they left. They're like, um, we can't see that you got choked. So you're lying. Don't you love being a woman in the 70s? And that was like the 80s, I think. Yeah, it was the 80s. Um, don't you just love being a woman in America? It's really fun. Right now I'm doing a study over how uh, like gender responsive treatment in the criminal justice system. And you would be surprised how women usually get harsher sentences for the same thing that men do because they're breaking like that social norm or like the double standard of uh, women not committing crime. Like, oh, women don't kill people. Women don't rob banks like so when they do do those things they get harsher sentences because it's like oh my god that's so crazy like they don't do that so it feels harsher in people's minds i don't know i'm doing a study on that right now it's real um whether you like to admit it or not like covid um anyways who said that so joseph uh yeah where was i (laughs) okay um maria gave up and they left um and after this incident joseph stopped drinking yay right he stopped drinking it's all better um no the abuse only continued to get worse from here on out so joseph was a very controlling husband to the point where he opened all of maria's mail before it even got to her um one time joseph had opened a letter from maria's family back in hungary stating that one of her family members had passed away and that she would like for her to come home for or they would like for her to come home for the funeral um joseph freaked out he thought that if she saw this letter she would obviously want to go and if she did go she would take judas with her judas Judith, Judith with her, and there was a chance of them not coming back. So what did he do? He just hid the letter. He was just like, you know what? She doesn't need to see this. Um, and then things went on as normal because Maria never knew about it. She was just like, okay, we're just living our life. Um, I'm gonna stop for a second to go blow the ever living love out of my nose, and I'll be right back. Okay, we're back. So Judith was still going to school during all of this, um, to help keep it like at least one part of her life normal quote unquote normal um all of her teachers said that she was a typical girl she would just like doodle happy pictures of her and her mom and she was involved in all the school activities um but judith's friends had different things to say because of the things that judith would tell them she told them that her dad shouted at her and her mom threw things at them as well as giving her a bloody nose from hitting her with a pot um judith just thought these things were normal she thought these were things that every child endured. Um, but Judith, Judith's friends were becoming increasingly worried and afraid of her father. 
Um, as time went on, his abuse started abuse. God, the lisp is coming back so hard. The abuse, his abuse, started to become less focused on Maria and more focused on Judith. Uh, there was one incident where he grabbed Judith by her ponytail, like her hair, and threw her to the ground. He gave her a bloody nose because of that. Or he gave her a bloody nose by doing that. Um, and to make up for it, he bought her a pink TV to go in her room. That's like when you were younger and you hit your sibling, but to make it, like, to make them not cry, you were like, you can hit me back. Don't tell mom you can hit me back. You can slap me twice. If you hear mouth noises, it's Ellie. It's the dog. She's so much all the time. Okay. Um, but yeah, so he bought her a pink TV to make up for the fact that he threw her on the ground and gave her a bloody nose. Um, yeah. So then Judith was nine in 1987 and she was asked to come to the Bahamas to film Jaws, the revenge. Um, it would be just her and her mother going and they'd be gone for quite a while since they were filming an entire movie. Um, Judith was in her room out packing her suitcase and being, you know, a normal giddy nine-year-old girl, knowing that she got to go to the beach and film a movie. She was just super happy. Um, and then all of a sudden, her father comes to the door, puts a knife to her throat, uh, told her that if she and her mother don't come back from the trip, that he'd cut her throat. Yeah. I, yeah. So on the trip they went, um, while filming, they were required to only film for a few hours at a time with Judith because she was so young and it was illegal for her to work so many hours in one day. Um, and when they weren't filming, they were allowed to go sightseeing and hang out on the beach. Uh, this gave Maria the opportunity to get super close with some of the other women on the set and the other mothers of the children that were in the movie. And during this time, she confided in the other women that, you know, about the abuse that was going on back home and how she didn't want to go back to Joseph. The women kept telling her, like, not to go back to him, explaining how it would be so easy to start a new life since they had money and they had suitcases full of all the things that they needed to survive. Um, to the women, it just really seemed like Maria was never going to listen, uh, and that, like, she would always go back to Joseph, so they just sort of gave up. They stopped giving her suggestions on how to escape, they stopped listening to her stories about the abuse, and they all just, like, started thinking that she was saying all these things for attention, since she was always just, like, pushing- she just seemed so casual about it. She was like, yeah, he slaps me. Anyways, um, so, you know- if the person that's being abused doesn't seem so upset about it, I'm not saying that it's, like, right, but people are going to be like, okay, they aren't bothered. Um, they just thought it was much less serious than it was due to how casual she was. Does that make sense? Like, she was casual about it because it was so normal to her, and she didn't realize how bad it actually was. Does that make sense? Does that come across as I'm wanting it to? Probably not. Nothing ever does. Um, the movie filming finished up and it was time to go back to LA. But before going back, the they, they stopped at Mariah's... Oh my god, if I call her Mariah one more time. They stopped at Maria's brother's house in New York because Judith had never met him before and he was her uncle. Um, so somehow Joseph found out that the movie was done and that she... Maria and Judith were not home yet. So he literally called Maria on the phone, on the home phone there at her brother's house. That's how crazy he is. He found the home phone. I guess it's probably not that hard. Um, but yes, so he found the number, called it. When Maria picked up, he asked to speak to Judith 
And when she got on the phone, he reminded her about the agreement they made before he left, before she left. The agreement where you said you would cut your nine-year-old daughter's throat if her mother tried to flee your abuse. Nice agreement. Yeah, agreement. So after the phone call, Judith informed her mother about what her father had done, like, before they left uh, for the Bahamas. And the very next day, they were on a flight back to L.A. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. So at this point in the timeline, Joseph started seeing other women. Uh, not just, like, sleeping with other women while not allowing his wife to leave him. Um, not, no, like, full-on having girlfriends while having a wife. He was buying these girlfriends nice things and taking them on nice dates, all while treating his wife and daughter like crap and not allowing them to leave or he would kill them. So Maria thought if she can't leave Joseph, why not get Joseph to leave her? She stopped looking after her appearance. She stopped cleaning the house. She stopped cooking for him, thinking that all this would disgust him to the point where he had to leave her, but it didn't work. Um, apart from the inside of their home looking like a train wreck, neighbors were beginning to realize that something wasn't right. They were asking Maria if she needed help or if Judith needed help, um, telling her that if they needed somewhere to hide until they found their own place, that they could stay with them, they could hide in their basements. Like, you know, they were just like, hey, we will help you. But like always, Maria denied um, and this was all starting to take a toll on Judith as well. She developed trichotillomania, um, which is a disorder where, like, you pull out your hair, um, or, like, I think it can also apply to when people, like, pull out fuzzy things. I don't know. Um, it's just, like, picking, like, picking at things. So, she would pull out her eyelashes as well as her cat's whiskers, which can actually kill your cat, just letting you know. Like, don't do that. Um, but... She was doing this. She developed trichotillomania. It's also known as like trick or something. Um, but she was also putting on some unhealthy weight. Um, and around this time, Judith was auditioning for All Dogs Go to Heaven. Amazing movie, dude. Amazing. Um, when I was younger, I used to think it was All Dogs Go to Haze. Yeah. I don't, don't ask. Um, so... In the middle of the audition for this role, a voice acting role, she just started, like, crying uncontrollably to the point where she couldn't even breathe. Um, I do that, like, every night. So, she didn't know why she was crying because this was something she'd done for years. It just, it, what, she wasn't nervous about the audition, nothing like that. It was literally just, like, the mental toll that her home life was taking on her. She just broke down, like, having an anxiety attack or something. Um, so relatable, so real, taking a drink. Um, so thankfully her agent took note of this and also that she had ga gained weight on top of her new, like, trichotillomania disorder. Um, she immediately got in or got her in with a child psychologist. And after a single hour long session, the psychologist noted that Judith was both severely physically and mentally, or she was severely both physically and mentally abused and urgently called in CPS, Child Protective Services, um, into the office. And CPS called in Maria, pressing her to explain everything that was going on. And she let them know of all the abuse that they both were being exposed to. But she told them that she was already taking the steps that she needed to get them out of it. She told them that she was going to divorce Joseph. And that she had a place for her and Judith ready to go. So, hold on. Matthew just texted me and he's at work. He said, what's up? I said nothing. Actually, recording. 
Okay, sorry. Um, Maria was renting an apartment in Panorama City for a few weeks at this time and had been hanging out there during the days telling Joseph that Judith had, like, auditions or meetings to lessen his suspicions. Like, they would literally just hang out there during the day and then go back to the house at night and have dinner and pretend everything was normal. So, um, if you weren't aware of how serious the abuse was before, now you are. Um, Maria told CPS everything that they needed to hear, apparently, because after this one meeting, they dropped Judith's case. So, Matthew said, let me know when you're done so I don't interrupt you. <laughs> I said, no, it's fine. I'm texting you as I'm recording. Ha ha. <laughs> I'm saying the conversation, can I spell, is part of the podcast. We're all texting Matthew. <laughs> Sorry, the sniffing is so annoying. I know, I know. Um. Okay, so... Yes, after this one meeting, they dropped you to this case. And I know that people always want to blame social workers. And yes, I admit that sometimes they can do better. Um, but know that social workers are extremely overloaded with cases that vary in weight. Um, and one single caseworker cannot handle the amount that they are given. Um, this is not a failure of the social worker. This is a failure of the system that they are in. Um, so everything looked good to the social worker. So she dropped the case. Also, Matthew said, hey, listeners, how was everyone? <laughs> He said, also, I'm bored and I hate my job. So true, bestie. Okay, sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Sniffing and texting. Wow. I'm s the etiquette is just amazing here. Um, yeah, so they dropped the case. And everyone in Maria's life was so encouraging about moving out of the house that she and Joseph shared and moving into the apartment that she was renting. Um, Maria was on board, too. So, little by little, she started packing up things around the house and taking it over to the apartment. And on July 10th, 1988, Maria was packing up some boxes and taking them over to the apartment. But this time, Joseph followed her. Yeah. So, Maria drove all the way to the apartment and got out to unload the boxes when Joseph just popped out of nowhere. He's like, hey, what are you doing? He started bombarding her with questions and aggressively pestering her. But luckily, Maria was able to convince him that she was just helping her friend move and that she was taking these boxes up the stairs that she had had in her trunk for a long time, just leaving him at the door and driving back home. But now, Joseph knew where the apartment was, so she felt like she couldn't move out anymore. Um, and on top of the concern of him knowing where they would be, Maria always didn't want Joseph to, like, she didn't want him to get all the assets that they had together. Um, if she were the one to file for divorce, he would get everything. So she didn't want him to get the cars and the house and everything that they had bought together, despite everybody telling her that she needed to get out for her and Judith's safety. Kind of selfish, not going to lie. Not going to lie. Selfish, but also, like, we're not blaming the victim here. So Judith found refuge in a home um, of some family friends. She would ride her bike there every day, stay there the entire day, eat there, sometimes nap there. Um, the couple more than likely knew what was going on and they were totally okay with Judith spending the time there because they wanted her to have like a safe space to go away from what she was dealing with at home. Um, and one night Judith told this couple that she didn't want to go home because Joseph would always threaten to kill them. Yeah. 
So one of Joseph's old friends even remembered a time where Joseph told him that he was going to kill Maria. So the friend was like, how are you going to take care of Judith? Because back then men didn't know how to even like suck their own thumb. Um, but yeah. So, oh my God, I keep kicking this box on a risk. So he asked him how he was going to take care of Judith. And Joseph told him, I guess we'll just have to kill her too. Y'all, if your friends are saying stuff like this and you don't report it, you you had a hand in that murder too. I'm I don't care. You yeah. Um so on June 6th, 1988, Judith turned 10 years old. The weather was amazing. They had a little birthday party with friends and family. The day was just so perfect for Judith. Um the weather continued to be amazing for the rest of the summer, allowing Judith to be outside 24/7 just as she loved to be. And on July 25th, Judith was seen riding around on her pink bike enjoying the warm summer day. Um, that evening, after playing outside all day, Judith was ready to go to bed. So she put Mar Maria put her into bed, told her good night, and then she went to bed herself. Um, it was a normal routine, and as to be expected, Joseph was in the living room drinking and watching TV. Um, so it's about to get really yucky. Just warning you. Um, Joseph walked over to the closet where he kept his guns, and he got out a thirty-two caliber pistol and made sure that both Maria and Judith were asleep. He walked into Judith's room where she was sleeping and vulnerable, a child, um, and he shot her in the head, killing her instantly. Maria obviously woke up to the sound, knowing what was going on, and desperately was trying to make her way to Judith's room, trying to run through the hallway, but before she could, Joseph got her to the ground and also shot her in the head, killing her instantly as well. Um, for the next two days, Joseph lived his life as normal um, in the house with Maria and Judith's bodies. Yeah. Um, that morning, after Joseph shot and killed both of them, uh, Ruth, Judith's agent, she called the home. And when Joseph answered, she informed him that Judith never showed up for her final recording of All Dogs Go to Heaven. And he tells Ruth that a, a random black car came and picked up Maria and Judith the day prior. And that he had actually completely moved out of the house. He was just coincidentally back there right then when she called. Um, so on July 27th, two days later, the neighbor or a neighbor was out watering her grass when she heard something explode. And it seemed to come from the direction of the Barcy house. So she ran inside and called the police, informing them that they needed to send someone out because she heard an explosion. Um, and so she hung up with them, but by the time that she got back outside to see what was going on, smoke was just coming out of the Barcy home at rapid speed, like, out of the windows, just billowing smoke. Um, and this, this isn't funny, but it's, like, such a sweet little detail about this woman. Um, her name was Eunice, and she was pretty old, honestly. Um, so she saw the smoke, and she just ran over to the house with her little garden hose that she was watering her grass with. And she was just trying to put out the fire with her little garden hose. I can't handle it. it. It's such a good little detail about a really bad story. And I just had to add it in. Eunice, RIP probably, most definitely. You're a real one, okay? Um, so eventually the firefighters get there and they put out the fire and go inside because Eunice told them that a family lives there. Um, and they obviously want to make sure that people aren't stuck in the house, right? Right? So they go in. And they find three bodies. Three. Yes. Um, they found Judith. 
Maria and Joseph's bodies. The investigators could easily tell that both Judith and Maria were doused in gasoline because of the residue on their bodies, as well as a gasoline cap being found just a few feet away from uh, Judith's bed. Hold on, I'm getting vocal fry. Um, yeah, so they found the gasoline cap, and the um, or Joseph had set the house on fire, and then he had shot himself in the head with the same gun that he used to kill his wife and daughter. And so the gunshot is the explosion that Eunice heard. Um, so obviously this news broke immediately and everybody was talking about how sad it was that like Judith was a rising star. She was going to be super successful in her life, both as an actress and a voice actress. Um, and that she was just taken way too soon. And a spooky fact that actually kept coming up was that the first show that Judith ever acted in was based on a true story about a soldier that came back from war and then ended up murdering his pregnant wife and two daughters, one of which was played by Judith. So chilling. So scary. Um, I don't know. So, for 16 years after Judith and Maria died, they didn't have headstones. Why did the people involved in their lives not care enough to get them headstones? I'll never understand. I'll never understand that. Um, Like, the people that Judith acted under, Judith's agent, the social worker, I don't know. Like, there's so many people that could have been like, oh, yeah, they need headstones. But nobody ever did it until some fans in 2004 were like, hey, let's get these people some headstones. So they got them headstones, thankfully. But um, growing up, I used to always say, uh, yep, 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 which is like a line that Ducky would say in A Land Before Time. Um, and that's actually written on the bottom of Judith's headstone. It's so sad, dude. It's so sad. I can't handle it. Like, it literally just says, yep, yep, yep. <sighs> and the credit song at the end of All Dogs Go to Heaven was written for Judith because she never got to watch the movie that she voiced in. And it's such a sweet song. Like, the late 80s music genre, is it's so serene. Like, it's so, I don't know. Like, Phil Collins, You'll Be in My Heart. Oh, my God. Getting that tattooed on my forehead, Okay. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I want to rewatch that movie, All Dogs Go to Heaven, and cry like a little baby every time she speaks, as well as A Land Before Time. I watched that a couple years back, um, forgetting that this happened to Judith, so, but the Barcy home was also refinished and sold, and the family that lives there now didn't know the history of the house, and they claimed that it had a really dark energy about it, uh, like they would feel cold spots in the house. And the father of the home claims that when he's in the hallway, he can feel like someone's with him, which is where Maria was killed. Um, and the garage door opens and closes by itself, which is spooky because Maria was shown by Joseph all the gas cans that were later used to burn the house down. Um, and they were in the garage. They also didn't or they didn't know the history of the house until one day they were chatting with a neighbor about all the spooky things that they were enduring. And the neighbor was like, hey, this this happened. Um, so that's probably why you experience that. And that's it, my friends. That's the sad, sad Kate. Kate. Oh my god. The sad, sad Kate. Oh, I just did it again! The sad, sad case of Judith Barcy. Um. I never know how to transition this. I need to, like, watch a video on how to do it or something. Um, 
okay, so let's just ignore that we just learned about a really sad thing and we're going to jump into something that's also kind of sad, but it's good. So in the month of October, starting October 1st, um, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. We all know that. Um, people in my life have been affected by breast cancer. It's There's some people in my family that have had it. Um, my mom had to get screened for it a couple years ago. Thankfully, didn't have it, um, but has to get screens pretty often now. Uh, breast cancer is just really intense. Um, there's been women my age that have gotten it and gotten very ill. Some people have passed away from it that I know. Um, so... I have put together a little idea that I've talked about with my friends and they think it's a good idea. So I'm going to crochet little boobs, all different sizes, or actually they're probably going to be the same size. They're probably going to be the same size. Um, all different colors. We're going to have some dark nips. We're going to have some light nips. We're going to have some inverted nips. We're going to have some extroverted nips and we're going to have some normal nips. I say normal, meaning societal is normal. <laughs> Um, it's gonna, I'm gonna have all color scales of boobs, okay? All the boobs, all the boobs. They're gonna be like little handheld boobs that you can just put on your desk or you can just have whatever, but I'm gonna make them, I can't remember the price that I said. I think I'm gonna make them 10 to $12 because shipping is around four to $6. Um, and then all the rest of the proceeds I'm going to put together at the end of the month and November 1st, I'm going to donate them to the Breast Cancer Research Fund. And yeah, I'm going to like obviously show myself donating the money um, so that you guys don't think that I just took the money for myself. But yeah, I'm going to launch that October 1st. Going to make a ton of boobs. I'm going to sell them to you guys for $10 to $12. And I'm going to donate the money on November 1st. How does that sound? Does that sound like a good idea to you? Um... While you're not buying boobs from me, you can look at the fall and Halloween decor that I've been putting out, or you can make a custom order with me. Please, I'm so broke. I'm so broke. I'm so broke. I'm just kidding. I'm not begging. Um, but yeah, so that's that's today's case, y'all. Um, what do we say now? Is this the point where I say, lock your doors? And don't talk to creepy men, supposedly. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That's that's really it. So get ready for the boobs. Um, and lock your doors. And don't talk to creepy. Yep. Don't talk to creepy men. Okay. Goodbye. I have to sneeze. Oh my god.